Hey, everybody. Welcome to UGA Sports Live with Jim Donnan. My name is Roddy Nabulsi. Uh, really appreciate you folks joining us. Dane will be with us later in the show. He has a previous commitment engagement or something. I probably just playing hooky or maybe he can't talk. I know a lot of people who are uh, at the game and who did a watch along with us are horse uh, electric atmosphere in Athens, Georgia, just absolutely off the chain. I'll have a column coming out about it later this week, just talking about the fact that uh, Georgia is now a scary, scary place to play. That's it's absolutely a wild thing. So anyway, statement win by the Bulldogs. We will talk about that uh, here on the show. A uh, big shout out to a number of our sponsors, of course, Athens Ford, Europe High, Prime Shrimp, uh, Dead Soxy, My Perfect Franchise, and Academia Brewing Company. I did want to mention our friends at uh, Athens Ford real quick right off the bat, because they do have a lot of vehicles in stock. See that 336 vehicles available. A lot of places do not have that many. So when you get a chance, swing by Athens Ford, hit them up. If you need a new or pre-owned vehicle, jump on it, get that lifetime powertrain warranty on any new or pre-owned vehicle under 80,000 miles. Uh, special financing deals out there right now. Hit them up while you can. Hi, right, Coach. Uh, maybe I'm making too much of it, but... Georgia has faced the number one team five times. They've beaten the number one time, number one team three times. Two of those have come under Kirby Smart. I think that's pretty good. I think, and again, you can look at the rankings and stuff like that and say, well, they weren't in the AP, they weren't in this, but everybody in the nation was picking Georgia to lose this game against Tennessee. A few people believed, you believed. I was nervous. I picked them to win in my in our score predictions, but I told you every fiber of my being, every cell of my body just thought that this was going to be the one that Georgia drops. That offense was unique. I was worried about Georgia's secondary, three first-year starters in the secondary. I told you to walk me off the ledge when we started the watch-along show on Saturday, and you were just utter confidence. You weren't worried about it. What happened? Well, I think it all starts back with last year's game. Uh, and if, if I could just – everybody could just keep their frame and focus here. Uh, when we played Georgia Tech the first year, Kirby was here. First time he'd face a triple option. They really uh, had a lot of things that we, he hadn't encountered before. So throughout the spring practice the next year, the summer, uh, every time they had a chance, they worked on Tech. They spent a lot of time uh, in the uh, – week off, uh, the off week working on it, and it paid dividends because they, their kids were really familiar with it and knew what they wanted to do. Spring forward here to 2021, the way that uh, Josh Heupel got his team lined up, ran them fast out. Georgia couldn't get lined up enough, quick enough. Uh, they worked on their slot receiver so much, and we had to move Christopher Smith and uh, Kirby told me after the game, he said, I guarantee you one thing. He said, we're going to be ready. If we don't do any, can't run but one defense, we're going to be ready to get lined up for him next time. So <laughs> throughout the and you're, you're, throughout the uh, spring practice, uh, fall camp, the the uh, the week that uh, we had off there, uh, we spent some time on Mississippi State and in Kentucky and Florida. But the, the biggest part of the individual stuff was just teaching the players where to get and uh, making sure they understand what, what the plan was. Uh, as we talked about last week, uh, Kirby's a man-to-man guy. That's his – and he's a defensive coach. He has a lot of pride and everybody talking about how this team's going to walk all over us and everything like that. I'm not saying that that it was 
too personal with him, but it was at the same time, uh, he, he made sure that our players knew how to line up. If you just look at the ups, the easy scores that Tennessee's had this year. So to put it in a real uh, tight vacuum here, we played the Oregon Ducks. We'll probably be ranked sixth or seventh tonight in the poll, and they got three points, and they're averaging almost 50 points a game. We played the uh, Tennessee Vols, who are averaging about maybe 52, 53. They got one touchdown, no touchdown passes. And so basically we've given up 16 points to those two leading scoring teams in the country. Phenomenal. Uh, the game plan was to uh, unleash some vertical pressure on them. We had more sacks than we've had all year. We played tremendous man-to-man, kept the ball in front of us, and limited the penalties. But a big part of the was for the offense to get out, get out and get ahead. We had that early turnover, but we really did a tremendous job first half. I, I can't say enough about Stetson, Ben, and his performance, McConkey, everybody, the O-line, no pressures all day. The one time they pressured him, he ran around the end and scored a touchdown. So it was a complete pull-your-pants-down, exposed Tennessee, uh, beat the dog shit out of them. That's the only way you can say it. Excuse my language. You beat the dog doo-doo, whatever you want to say. But it was a, a, a just a volume of good coaching, good playing, and fans had a lot to do with it. Now, I can tell you this. When you get eight penalties like that, it's hard to make first downs. And we kept, kept them behind the sticks the whole day. And uh, now that's behind us. We got to move on to this next game. But uh, as we talked about going into the Florida game, having Jalen Carter on our team is exponential as far as what he does for the morale of the coaches, the players, the offensive players, because they have to uh, go against him every day. And the defensive player of the week for the whole country from the Chuck Van Derrick Award. Uh, he was the SEC player of the week, caused two fumbles. But, uh, you know, you can't say enough about the way we played. And this is a Georgia Bulldog thing here. Let's brag about it. But uh, <laughs> the part I want to make is preparation uh, was so intense and so thorough uh, with Schumann and Muschamp and all the coaches uh, that we – really executed to the max and it's, it's a great feeling to get that kind of reward nothing better than a team victory I w- speaking of the team victory i want to uh, give a shout out to the secondary i doubted the secondary i was worried about just the eye candy the stacked receivers out wide you know uh passing a guy off from you know the cornerback to the safety stuff like that scares me you know just the uh, a true freshman safety out there coach malachi starks went nuts uh, led the team in tackles had a huge game Thought Javon Bullard maybe played the best game of his career. Two sacks for Javon. I love the disguise they were doing there. Uh, Kamari Laster played lights out. Keely Ringo runs a route better than the wide receiver, gets the interception. I remember midweek or sometimes there's this leaked audio of Kirby Smart just absolutely chewing Keely Ringo's ass in practice, just absolutely blistering his tail. Now, those of us who've been around Kirby Smart knows that that's a good thing because the guys he yells at are the guys he expects a lot of, and he won't let them make a mistake. And we asked Keely about it yesterday. He's like, look, man, I I, I take the instruction, not the tone. You know, I don't, I look at what the content of the the message, not the way it's delivered. And, you know, he's been here some years. He's, he's gotten the tongue lashings before, but uh, if you heard that audio, 
you'd be thinking Kirby Smart is terrified of this offense. This this sounds he's worried about his secondary, but I thought the secondary played lights out. And to your point about the team concept, the part I was worried about was the secondary. They did good. Jalen Carter gets in there, but they played this game without Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith was, to me, I thought would be the key to getting in there. Then Robert Beal, who's your replacement, he goes down. So, you know, I'm like, this is – on paper, Tennessee should have rolled, but they just got absolutely hammered. And then, like you said, the offense was great. And then you always could talk about this, the special teams. That 75-yard coffin corner punt, to me, changed yeah, the whole momentum of the game. That just, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Hey, we got to move on to this next game. Uh, we've had enough love for, for no, us. No, there's not enough love for this. Go to look at her comments here. They all want to know about that. Hey, um, I mean, uh, but I, I tell you the, what was really satisfying for me was how many people were here uh, nationally. Uh, when you talk about CBS's prime game, uh, when you talk about Feinbaum being here, Herb Street, Bear, all those guys, I had a chance to talk to them and to to a man. Uh, I put myself out there. I said, look, y'all are talking about Tennessee. Uh, this this football team we got is not as dominant as we were last year, but we got a lot of pieces together. And I said, I told Bear, I said, I'm going to take a low-scoring game and Georgia's going to cover. And he said, oh, you know, and so, hey. <laughs> but I, I was right about the low-scoring because, you know, uh, if you don't give up big plays to them, it's hard to to march the ball on our defense because we got people knocking you around, and we got a lot of role players too. But uh, we we got a lot of tough games going coming up here. This game against Mississippi State worries me maybe more than the one this last week because they just you just can't get the ball back from them. They just hit all those short passes, and uh, it's going to be tough down there in Starkville. But I mean, you know, I mean, we'll still show up, but we we know what they're capable of. I mean. They played Bama very tough, but they just couldn't get it in the end zone. But, uh, but it, I'm sure we'll have some questions going forward. But uh, it's easy to see why we, uh, the, you know, the, the the film is your resume, and the individual battles we won in that game, one on one, offense, defense, special teams were really good. Yeah, I'm thinking of. Uh the offensive line of that game, just hammering and talking. I'm giving Stetson been a ton of time, but one of the individual uh, plays that sticks out to me, Marcus Roseman, Jack Saints catch. I think he's kind of really developing into that, you know, wide receiver one spot. Uh, but Lad McConkey, I've been on him about the yips. I've criticized him when he's had some drops. We asked him yesterday what happened. He said, look, I just changed my focus a little bit, but he came up big. That double move that they, they, they he hit, you know, and you can see the coach on the sideline raises his hands right as the, I guess, as a safety or cornerback kind of bit forward. And that number zero, that number zero for them, I felt sorry for him. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how many targets we had on him, but every time we targeted him, I mean, we probably should have done it more, but he couldn't cover anything. Uh, so uh, just a great route by Ladd. And, and in his defense, he's had turf toe and had some injuries, but uh, you, you like the fact that he uh, – competes on a level like and he made almost had another big play on that screen i mean if he cut back to the left a little bit more maybe to gone but uh you know we had a couple drops in the game which are not liking i mean uh uh you know i think at this point uh big o's in a little bit of a slump here he's had four drops in the last two games and uh yeah. 
you know, he's, he's blocking like a terror, but he's, he can't drop those balls like he's been dropping them. And, uh, or if you do that too much, old monkey won't come back to you. <laughs> That's true. Well, that was one of the questions I had early on was how long are they going to stick with Ladd? He just seemed to be – there was a three-game series there where he just couldn't get it, but he seems to – you know, they, they stuck with him. But that was kind of what I was alluding to was those individual battles that you mentioned and how some of those guys came out on top one-on-one. Even though Georgia, this is a statement game, they pantsed them. They did it in front of you know the biggest crowd. I mean, the, the loudest crowd on the biggest national stage. Everybody was watching this game. Uh, one versus one. If you look at the different polls, Georgia dismantles them just like everybody was watching that Oregon game, and they just pantsed Oregon. But this was not Georgia's best performance. Kirby said, you know, he said we haven't played our best game yet. And go back to the drop passes. Georgia did have some penalties. What was it, a fourth and something that you get a face mask yeah, on? Yeah, it's just young. Pass, young so many pass interference calls. Uh, offensively, some bad plays that, that Georgia got behind the sticks, and then, you know, they stopped their drives with uh, – you mentioned that during the watch-along show. Georgia shot itself in the foot a couple times on drives. What can this team be if they hit on all cylinders without those penalties, without the turnovers? Yeah, I mean, I think that the Oregon game's pretty emblematic of that. Uh, when we, probably best game all year, but uh, as a total group. But when you look at uh, our offense, I mean, we took the sails out of the, the wind out of the sails there in the second half. I mean, after that nine minute march, uh, we went into the fetal position. I mean, we didn't throw but one more pass. We were running the ball and, you know, milking it. Kirby didn't want to give them any easy score and all because he knows there's quick strike ability. So, uh, but, you know, basically we played two quarters of offense in that game and scored 27, uh, 24 points, and then we got the other three. But, uh, um, you know, at the end of the half, Kirby talked about there was something we probably could have looked at. We had those timeouts in our pocket, but he was worried about giving the ball back to Tennessee and uh, probably should have got seven there. I mean, if we'd have used our timeouts, I think we probably would have. But you got to look at it as a total coach, and that's what he's looking at. He didn't want to not make it and give Tennessee another opportunity because started the half off the next half. So, uh, uh, but this team really believes in the, the in the, in the culture and in, in the uh, system that we're running. And, uh, and it just looks like right now, uh, you know, what we play against is our own standard and not have one of those South Carolina games or something like that where, you lose to somebody you're supposed to win because you screw it up. So, uh, but the kids are having fun. The fans are enjoying it. And uh, I'm sure enjoying watching these guys play. And when you're called on like Devin Willick was the other day, I mean, he had a few plays that didn't work out perfectly, but I guarantee he's a man. He can move people at the line of scrimmage. His confidence level has got to be good knowing that he's got that game under his belt. And, uh, when you can lose a six, seven, three hundred pounder at left guard and bring another one in there that's just as big, uh, that says a lot for your offensive team. And we should have uh, Mims back this week, who who had a little bit of an MCL situation, and I don't know what the the deal's going to be on uh, the other guard. Whether his foot's going to be okay, he's got some turf toe too. So uh, trust, uh, but. I was really happy for Willock because he's really worked hard. He's redeveloped his body and has come around to a, just an unbelievable physical specimen. Do you think he stays in there even if uh, Xavier Trust is healthy, or does he does Xavier Trust kind of get a spot I think back? A lot of it will be dependent on what the practice have, have how it works out this week. 
that's one of the reasons why McConkey stayed in there. He kept practicing good, but mm-hmm. you know, he just did, had a couple bad plays in the game. But uh, you know, our practices are tough as nails now. I mean, they go against each other and uh, and very difficult put them in difficult situations, offense and defense, and uh, there's no standing around. Uh, Kirby's come up with this new deal now where when the, when the offense is going against the defense, you know, it used to be the second team would just stand over there on the side and watch and everything, but now he makes the second team defensive backs and the receivers go over there and go one-on-one against each other so they don't have any rest. So he, he, he can't stand to see somebody standing around. I mean, I, I don't go out there much, but when I stand around out there, I think he's going to make me run some laps or something. So uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's constant motion out there, a lot of energy. Well, I've, I've said this for years. You don't – and we'll go to a, a high school practice coach, and you'll see the star player. He's, like, working on – while everybody else is doing laps and working out, stuff like that, he's getting his hamstring worked on. You know, he, he can't stretch with the, the peons, you know, the low lives. He's got he's to he get that star treatment. And if he's just a little dinged up, he, they, the coaches hold him out of practice, you know, he gets a, a little bit easier practice, but he turns it on under the lights and nobody nobody really complains. You don't have that under Kirby Smart. If you're Jalen Carter, you're stats, I don't care who you are, the biggest star, if you're Jordan Davis when he was out, uh, whenever they had an issue, those guys go through hell on the sidelines during yeah. practice. They're like, oh, if you can't practice, well, you can sure as hell condition and if they got an upper body issue, they're running. They're on the uh, they're on the bike, and they're just sweating buckets. You know, you got a, a lower body. Well, guess what? You get to go do all this arm work and upper body stuff. And there is no slacking going on. And hey, it pays off because you can see how they put it away. Which brings up this question for me. Uh, the came from Twitter. Brent says, uh, if it was not for the rain, would UGA have scored forty on Tennessee? And you mentioned the fact that you know Kirby kind of ran the clock out on them, didn't want to give them the ball too many times because of that quick strike ability. But it seems to me you mentioned once it started raining, you saw one throw, you're like, Stetson's going to have a hard time throwing the ball. Look, look at how it's slipping out of his hands. Then back-to-back fumbles on what, one play, two plays? I mean, just almost immediately. Uh, and Kirby's like, no, no, we're, we're, we're running this ball, even if we have to run into nine-guy boxes. But I'm thinking if it had been dry, do you think Kirby would have just kept his offense out there and kept being aggressive? Oh sure, that's the that's the way to do things when you when the team's loaded up and pressuring you. You can't run the ball against that kind of look. I mean, you gotta you gotta let it go like we did. I mean, uh, but but I, I looking back on it, the, that was the right play there. They weren't scoring on us. Don't give them don't give them any field position. And uh, the only thing I would maybe done is let maybe Stetson keep the ball a couple of times because they, they couldn't play him and the, the way they were trying to overplay things. But uh, well, the, the reason I ask coaches, uh, you mentioned some of the national response. A lot of the national punters like, wow, we shouldn't have doubted Georgia. We, you know, we were, we were wrong there. And early on all the bet, there were 90% of the bets were on Tennessee. Now at the very end, the pros, the sharps, they came in and <laughs> put a lot of money on Georgia and Vegas, you know, a lot of people were questioning Vegas having Georgia as a nine-point favorite. That kind of came out. But the, I don't know, the, the silver lining that you're hearing from Tennessee fans and the pundits who were wrong, the pundits who were embarrassed, they're like, well, if it had been on a neutral field, then it wouldn't be like that. And you, you saw how Georgia struggled in the second half. Tennessee won the second half. You know, get them on a neutral field and that we it wouldn't play out like that. And I'm like, well, you're wasting your breath here. This is ridiculous to even talk about that, I think. Uh, Everybody knows that's bullshit. 
Uh, I mean, that, so that, that's why I ask you. You can't. You can't uh, well, after the fact, you can make up a lot of reasons about what happened and all, but they're both playing on the same field, uh, same conditions. Uh, it was obvious Georgia had their number that day. Now, if they play again, and Tennessee's got a good shot. I mean, you look at the two wins they have. If LSU continues to win the way they beat LSU, I mean, uh, if LSU would happen to beat us in the championship game, you know, and we're undefeated, we're in. But, uh, you know, who's to keep Tennessee out because of their win? So, I mean, it, there's a lot of things going to be. But I, I think tonight you're going to see Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, Tennessee or TCU 4 and 5. And then after that, probably Oregon uh, – uh, UCLA, uh, teams like that on down there. But Alabama probably won't be in the top ten. LSU will probably be between seven and uh, and nine, I think, uh, with two losses. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Coach. This this is going to – I need full honesty from you. You've coached in ACC, <laughs> Big 12, Big 10. You've been everywhere, All SEC. you coached in all these different oh, venues. Yeah, no, I hadn't been to Big 10. I thought you coached against somebody in the Big Ten. Well, I coached against them, yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. You've, co- you've coached in venues, in Big Ten venues, Big 12 venues, SEC, ACC. You've been everywhere. Uh, my contention is that Georgia's stadium, Sanford Stadium, is it's open on one end, and Georgia's chants are great, but they're just not loud. You know, if you're calling the dogs, it's kind of there. But when you go to Arkansas and you get the Woo Pig and you have everybody screaming Rocky Top, just the 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 hard consonants make that place loud, like make those places louder. Eric Ainge and a bunch of other people said, "Well, playing at Georgia, yeah, they got a lot of people. They got ninety thousand people, but it's just not as loud as these other venues, especially with that open stadium." And I'm thinking right now, when Kirby Smart came out on Saturday or Sunday and said, "Hey, I need the Georgia fans to show up and be loud," it almost sounded like he was worried. But to me, I think it was more of a, a genius tactician move because you were able to get not only a loud crowd, but a crowd to make them. Fault starts seven times. Yeah, he's coaching up the crowd. I mean, if you exactly. go, that, that's my point. He coached up the crowd. Now the crowd's elite. If you go back to uh, the first speech he gave to the whole uh, Stegman Coliseum that night when he challenged everybody to sell out uh, Sanford Stadium for first spring practice. For G-Day, 93 G-Day. He felt like he, he wanted to build that kind of atmosphere as the team developed. And, you know, uh, we've had a really good home streak going here, and I think, you, you know, fans change a little bit too. You get a, a kind of cosmopolitan type deal there, and then all of a sudden you get a little, uh, a little aggressive too. So I think it's just uh, – it was definitely uh, – when you look at the Notre Dame game, the Arkansas game, this game, I mean, the crowd noise was huge. But uh, it's, we got Dane in here now, and uh, it's time to start – uh, as Kirby starts his press conferences out, it's time to move on to that next game, man. I mean, I don't know what else we can say about these, this game, but I know you like to revel in it. But uh, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, see, I know you got that coach mentality. You want to go to the next one. Uh, Dane, uh, real quick, give us your thoughts, and we'll mention some of our sponsors after that. Yeah, first, just apologies for being late. Uh, y'all know I work on campus, and Lauren's youth leadership, a group from my – a group from my home county that I was a part of where it's the different high schools in Lawrence County come together with a leadership group. They were touring UGA and they invited me to come chat with them. So I wanted to make time for the folks at Lawrence Youth Leadership. Yada, that said, yada, 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 yada. <laughs> hey, I, I, 
I came up for East Dublin, Georgia. That's for sure. Even got a coat on, man. Way to dress up. Um, yeah, Michael Fowler says I look like I just sold the heck out of some Hyundai's. That is totally true. I have the car salesman thing going on right now. Well, what I was trying to sell people on on the vent was that Georgia is the, the it's that's what everyone wants to be right now. They, they're the top of college football. I think it's a dynasty to do what they did against Tennessee. Like people fear Georgia, and to do it on that stage, I know it rained, and I think the score could have been worse. It was a really solid performance. Now, all that said, and I think coach, you're getting into this a little bit. I think Georgia is not going to have the most fun day at Mississippi State. I'm not even saying that it's going to be like super competitive. I just think it's going to be a slog, a grind. This is one of those that you really find out what your program is made of because when you don't have the energy that you have in Sanford Stadium for that Tennessee game, how do you play in that situation? Historically, under Kirby Smart, Georgia answers the bell on that, but it's it's tougher. Yeah, it is, but I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit – lacks on saying the dynasty word yet because we win two or three then you can say that but uh you know we've only won one sec championship i mean we gotta you know those are things that gotta have the routine things that gotta happen too i mean we've gotten to the championship game and lost lost it twice so uh you know it's it's really critical that uh that we just take care of business here and i think we will but i'm talking like a coach from that standpoint but uh (laughs) I do feel like, which I said to to you guys uh, when the season started, if you're going to get some of Georgia in this interim deal, you better do it this year because next year, man. If the quarterback situation next year is figured out, the rest of the roster looks more bolstered, that's for sure. It's going to be – and we'll be okay at quarterback regardless of who the person is. And I think they're applying for Stetson to get another year just because – uh, Tennessee uh, r- rang his phone too much, so uh, he could get another. <laughs> well, speaking of ringing your speaking of ringing your phone, I want to mention our friends over at Your Pie. Uh, you need to call them up, uh, get your order in, get your uh, pizza set, get your calzone set, you know, get your uh, your pasta, your uh, salad, your gelato. Get any of those things when you get a chance, and do it today. Do it on your phone. You don't actually literally call them. You just use the app. Use the Your Pie app. Get the double points on it, which gets you the free breadsticks, the free uh, pizzas. Uh, like they have their new one there. I'm showing you that spicy Italian pizza is really, really nice. It's not really, it's fantastic. I tried one the other day. A uh, little more kick than I expected. So just just heads up on that. When they say spicy, and you know, I think spicy Italian, I think a lot of flavor is not quite as hot. It's a little warmer than you expect. Of course, they had their. Uh, Hot honey pepperoni still. That was a huge hit over the summer. The buffalo chicken, which is really good. And, of course, the southern heat, which is my favorite. So try any of those when you get a chance. Do it today. You can order it if you want to You know, want to order for Saturday's game. You can order today and still get your double points. So hit them up when you get a chance. And, of course, I also want to mention our friends over at uh, Prime Shrimp. The Prime Shrimp people, uh, it's a little unique because a lot of people don't understand what that is or the concept there. The prime shrimp idea is you basically come up with um, you order frozen shrimp from a company that uh, deveins it, cleans it, and puts it into these individual bags. And then the bag comes to you through the mail. It comes with dry ice. It's frozen solid. And basically what you're going to do is you don't have to thaw it out. You don't have to worry about it. You just take some boiling hot, you know, take some water, boil it, drop the little packet in. It's a boiling bag. If you remember, uh, Minute rice or whatever it was called, uh, you know, 
And then I think Uncle Ben's trying to keep up with them. But if you could do that, like a lot of us did in college, you know, the, the, the boiling bag rice, it's the same thing. And of course, if, and you know, you can get $15 off your first order if you just sign up like a, like any schmuck. But if you actually use promo code UGA Sports, you get 20 bucks off. So if you want their French, you know, quarter Alfredo or their signature season, you can see the two little bags there, you know, or the garlic herb butter. Those are uh, 20 bucks, 20 bucks, 18 bucks. You get one of those for free on your first order. So if you want the lemon and cracked pepper, get that one, you know, just the, or the simple shrimp. Now, that was the first thing I did. I tried their simply shrimp because all these shrimps are flavored, but I wanted to try pure shrimp from our friends at Prime Shrimp and try it out. And I did that. And I actually used the craziest uh, cocktail sauce you could ever get stuff from St. Elmo's in um, Indianapolis. And that shrimp held up. So point being, it's great stuff. Use promo code UGA Sports, get $20 off your first order. All right, Coach, uh, we need your thoughts on Mississippi State. A few before the Georgia, excuse me, before the Tennessee Alabama game, I wrote Alabama's going to beat Tennessee, and they should have. Uh, I'm more worried about Georgia going on the road to Mississippi State. You then about Tennessee everything. won, and then they killed Kentucky. And then I was worried about Tennessee, but right now. When do you worry? When do you worry? <laughs> I worry all the time. But point being, this is a, uh, as Dane says, you know, you had the, all that energy this past week. Now you're going on the road to where they have incredible energy. They're going to give you their best shot. And I don't want to call it a trap game, but it, they, it could be that letdown. So. Well, and it's going to be in the low 40s weather-wise, too. Here's so I hope people see that that. When the game starts and then get in the 40s. But here's the, thing. Really hear you. here's the thing that that really sets apart the difference in you worrying the players. They look at the tape. They see yeah. the other team. They realize that they better be ready because this is a physical football team. This is a team that runs a funky defense that you don't see that often. Uh, that some of these guys played against them two years ago when uh, we had to throw almost every down because they were they were plugging off of that 3-3. We didn't have the line that we have now. And uh, JT had a big game, almost 400 yards passing. But we couldn't get the ball from them. We dropped eight, and they get all these balls in front of us. So as much as we worry or you worry and all, the players understand what the challenge is. Yeah. you got to get off the field. Guys are going to go for it on fourth down. I mean, he went for it on fourth down twice against Alabama inside his own 35-yard line. So he doesn't have any rhyme or reason for what he does. And uh, defensively, they take chances, but uh, they've given up a lot of yards and a lot of points. I mean, this Auburn team is not exactly the best offensive team in the country, but they scored at will on them in the second half and really had a chance to beat them in overtime. But the bottom line is – Coaches are talking to, to our players about, you know, we we got some goals in mind. Our goal is to get to the SEC championship. That's the number one goal. And the, the way to do that, if you win this game, you, you, you're you assured of going. I mean, no matter what happens at Kentucky, we're going if we win this game. Uh, and obviously we want to win Kentucky too, but we got to win one of the next two to go. So uh, I think it's really uh, – as as these guys know the film don't lie. I mean, these guys are are uh, they they they're you better be ready or they'll physically get after you. I mean, you better understand what your role is. Uh, they they have a lot of unblocked guys that uh, are going to be challenged to our offense. But I also think 
if they think they can line up and blitz us, I think I would I would send them a Western Union and say, please, please, <laughs> please think that you could. That's the way to stop us because I think Stetson will eat their eat their lunch with uh, the receivers we got. I mean, it, it, we got to check your poison, and then the other thing that that a lot don't have is backside of the backfield. I mean, I don't know if we had a pitch count on uh, Kenny Mack the other day, but man, he, he touched the ball like 10 times the other day and had a hundred and some yards. So uh, nobody's got an answer for him out of the backfield. So as bad as things look, as far as what they can do, I like the squad we're taking down there. Uh, they're a business-like approach every week. Our coach will have them ready. And, uh, It'll be a dog fight, two bulldogs playing. I mean, it'll be a dog fight, but uh, you're not going to have a walk in the park game down there, that's for sure. That was kind of one of my questions for you, Coach, was when you when you talked to me off the ledge against Tennessee, you said, look at the four sides of the ball, Georgia's offense, Georgia's defense, Tennessee's offense, Tennessee's defense, and you mentioned Tennessee's defense is the worst of the groups, so you were confident in Georgia. Kirby Smart said this – what one of the things has changed between this Mississippi State game and the one he had a few years ago was how much better the quarterback thing is. But he also just he raved about their defense and how much tougher they were. Um, I'm just not seeing it as much. What does the coach well, see? Now? I mean, the, the thing that you see is, is the the little significant things that they do, not the composite. Their their composite of of giving up points doesn't look that great, but yeah, give you enough problems that if, if you don't take care of business and, and prove that you can do things, they're going to keep hammering you. And the thing they do, they keep hitting the quarterback, even if he's, uh, if it's not a sack. So you got to be careful there with Stetson. So uh, I, I think paramount that from my standpoint, if I'm Mississippi state's defensive co- coordinator, Zach Arnett, I'm saying to myself, Who's going to guard Bowers? I mean, who do we have that can guard him? Uh, nobody. But, you know, but we, we're only going to throw it to him four times a game. I mean, you look at the last three times. That's my next question. <laughs> he's going to get it. He's going to get four throws and the rest of the time. So, everybody can't – nothing wrong with him. I mean, he's a decoy, but uh, but it, it, he's got the capability of destroying their defense if they try to – run all those blitz packages. I mean, one-on-one, uh, he, he's just unstoppable against the safety. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who, who you got that can, can play the guy, but. Um, why, why did, I mean, I understand there's the decoy angle and other teams are kind of bracketing for him, but you watch the film better than I do. Are they just, is he just being double teamed? Are they just working to take it away from him? So you go to the more open guys. It just seems to me that. He, he was one of the leading touchdown scorers in the nation through the first four games. Last three games, he's gotten four or five touches. And I'm like – and every time he gets it, everyone goes crazy because it's, it's amazing play. That touchdown against uh, Florida is still the best play I've seen all year, maybe next to Malachi Starks' interception in game one. But that's just uh, – I'm like, why doesn't he have 12, 13 targets? Our, t- our defense is taking that away is what I'm asking. You understand it better than I do. Well, I don't see it. But I don't study it like uh, I should, maybe. But I, I think it's just the, the the way that we call the game. We just we just uh, use different ways to attack people, and uh, 
it's kind of the pro mentality. You know, you just spread it around and uh, keep them off guard, and it's working. But uh, yeah. we don't we don't do a, you don't see us repeating a lot of things. I mean, I think we got a game plan, and we're going to run every play that we planned. And if one of them's working good, so what? We, we let's see if something else works. So uh, <laughs> okay, that was that was awesome. Well, we just, Jordan- Georgia is relying on the attention that Bowers commands, right? So on the Arian Smith touchdown in the first quarter or the Arian Smith long play in the first quarter um, against Tennessee, three linebackers were standing there staring at Bowers and all he was doing (laughs) was blocking on his side. And so it's to ensure that Arian had the space to work with over the top and it worked out. Yeah, but the linebackers aren't effective on over the top now, Dane. As smart as you are, they don't have anything to do with that. Uh, I mean, I, I know that, but I'm saying the other things that develop off of it, if those guys are all staring at oh, Bowers and all yeah, the other right. playmakers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, where he can – where it really helps is when it, when those guys start doubling him and all, and then you run and things like that. But it was, it was a well-disguised formation. I mean, he had one-on-one. The safety didn't do anything coming over the top, and and he just beat – so uh, – but, but he – I give him credit that he is a dis- – I mean, you got to, you got to, I mean, we watch a tape. Somebody's got to guard him. And uh, even if he's not getting the ball and then Darnell is doing all these chips on the blocks before he goes out sometime and destroying people too. And his blocking has been unbelievable, but uh, he's got to pick it up. If he, he got to come out of his slump kind of like, like uh, McConkie did because I mean, that catch in the end zone, he's got to make that catch. I mean, but you know he's six seven, six eight too. It's hard to bend over. But <laughs> well, I uh, want to take a quick break and mention to one of our friends. If you have a hard time bending over, then you need to get these uh, dead socksy socks because you won't have to bend over and pick them up all the time. They have the uh, state, the true state technology. They will keep them from sliding down. We always mention the Georgia socks, but I want to point out their dress socks because a lot of you folks are at work right now. You're pretending to work. Uh, while you're watching us, and we appreciate that. But if you want to look good in the office and be the be the most talked about person in the office, check out their dress socks. Okay, these are not your boring black and blues. They actually have some fantastic looking ones here. Tons of different styles. As I'm kind of scrolling through them, you're seeing them pop up on your screen there. They just look really sharp. You know, uh, the folks in the office will kind of give you a res- little more respect because you're a snappy dresser and you're sitting in those in-person meetings that we're having now. You, you let your slacks ride up a little bit so you can show off those uh, badass socks they got there. Check them out. Check out our friends at Dead Soxy. Use promo code UGA Sports, get 25% off. It's a, it's an easy slam dunk thing. You can't miss it there. So hit up our friends at Dead Soxy. And also want to mention our friends over at uh, uh, our friend, uh, I say friends, but there are some people who've, who've done this with us. You need to check out uh, My Perfect Franchise. Okay. This is Andy Ludecky's site. He's a uh, really, really good guy. He's going to help you, if, and it doesn't cost you anything. If you want a franchise, let's say you want to keep your job, but you want a secondary income, you want to diversify your income, you want to, or you want to start transitioning out of your job you don't like, you know, you want to get out of the rat race, reach out to Andy Ludecki at My Perfect Franchise, 404-973-9901. Hit him up. And you can see all these testimonials I have up on the screen here. about just people just absolutely rave about it. And these are true. These are real people. We've had people at UGA sports who've reached out to him and they have new jobs. They have new franchises. There's 3000 different franchises out there. Okay. 
So if you want, you know, some if you want to do something out of the home, you want something out not out of the home, you want uh, sales requirements, uh, light retail, you know, under two hundred fifty grand or big retail over two hundred fifty grand, he's going to help you. Now here's the thing. It doesn't cost you a thing to reach out to him. So hit up Andy Ludecki at My Perfect Franchise. He sponsors this. He sponsors our um, uh, post-game show, I mean, our uh, uh, website. Uh, he sponsors Dash's news and notes after the game. So hit up Andy Ludecki. Change your career trajectory. doesn't cost you anything. And he's a huge, huge supporter of our site. So we appreciate him. Michael Fowler says the ad transitions are smoother than a fine Kentucky bourbon, which I agree, but we don't compliment Roddy on this show. That's one of the staples of it, so I will not allow it. Let's get to some questions from our friends at UGASports.com. From Billy Zane says, I'm definitely not suggesting that Georgia will have a letdown game against the fake Bulldogs this week, but coach, do you ever specifically focus on avoiding letdowns after a big win, or do you just stick to treating every week as just the same as any other? Yeah, I think in the, you certainly mentioned a little bit about the, the emotional change in the road, but uh, based on everything that Kirby's MO here is uh, all the practices are based on, uh, you know, working what you got to do to prepare for your opponent, but also taking a good feel for how your team is uh, condition-wise. I mean, uh, if you're beat up, maybe cutting back a little bit if you, if you don't think you're – getting enough uh, game reps, then maybe working a little harder. So they're always looking at uh, what the condition of the team is, how they, how their mentality is. Uh, uh, but again, the, the biggest plus that we have, and I've said this on the show for three years is Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Wednesdays around here are like game day. And the fact that you're going against good opponents not as much against a scout team as a lot of teams do. And uh, it, it's a way to develop. And it helps the third group, too, because they, uh, the coaches get to see them. They take enough time in practice to watch the threes. And, and occasionally we'll get a, a third-team guy come on later in the year because the coach has seen what his capabilities are. So, uh, and, and you want the players to know that you're interested in their development, too. But uh, – I think our practices, uh, I've been coaching and watching stuff a long time. I think our practices are the most organized and the most detailed and get the most out of everything that I've ever been around. Uh, to that point, we've, I've actually had NFL scouts uh, up in, tell us the same thing. You know, they, they love the, the practices of Georgia. They're like, hey, I, I, like I said, I was, yeah, I was over there, I was like in and out in 30 minutes. I'm like, what are you talking about? I guess I, I got to mark everybody on my list. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> I want to make a point real fast about you said NFL and it made me think of this. I've watched Malik Willis and I've watched Andy Dalton and I've watched PJ Walker. If these guys are legitimate NFL quarterbacks and Stetson Bennett has a shot, I'm not saying he's this great QB thing, but I've seen a ton of horrendous quarterback play in the NFL in the last few weeks. Yeah. I mean, Andy's kind of following uh, Malik Willis is, going to function pretty well with the threat of, uh, you know, the, the uh, Henry running the ball. But uh, Stetson's going to get a shot because he's got a good arm and he's, he, uh, you know, you look at uh, Munkin will help him too just from the standpoint that he's going to tell all these pro guys what he's capable of. I mean, he had his quarterback, that uh, Mullen guy, at uh, Nick, Nick Mullins from, uh, from down at Southern Miss, played uh, three or four years in the pros. He might still be 
a backup, but uh, very similar quarterback in a lot of ways. Let's get to this from Big Dog. Coach, do you see Eric Gilbert contributing in a big way in games the rest of the season? Or let's ask it this way. Would you advise Gilbert and Kendall Milton to return if they want to enhance draft stock? Yeah, I think uh, Milton's case, he's just been hurt. He's got to get back out there and uh, earn his spot. And, and Gilbert is kind of working his way back in uh, after being out, you know, with, with um, some uh, injury situations. But uh, I, I don't – I can't advise him on that. I think in Gilbert's case, I don't know what what he thinks he's going to get uh, pro-wise. I mean, it'll have to – you know, it'll all be on potential on mostly on that LSU year. But uh, he's definitely – you talk about pro guys, they come over there, and one of the first things they say is, who's number seven? I mean, he's, he's – but he's working, he's working on the scout team some and helping us there. Uh, I could see him helping us down the stretch. North Buckhead Dogs asking about the line of scrimmage this weekend. He says, what's the biggest challenge Mississippi State's defensive front will present to Georgia's offensive line? And then also, can Georgia's defensive – uh, front put as much pressure on Mississippi State's quarterback and offensive line as they did against Tennessee. I don't think there's any way we can because they throw the ball so quickly. I mean, you know, Tennessee has some slow developing routes and go deep. The, these guys can. If you remember the Sanford game this year, where the co- where the quarterback would just catch it and throw it before you know you almost catch and release. Uh, that's what, that's what they do there. Uh, it's very hard to sack this guy and uh, maybe get some hands up. I could see us running a three-man rush and playing, keep the ball in front of us and make them complete it. He's very unsackable, if that's a word. Uh, but as far as the challenge for them is the fact they have a three-man front and then they have uh, three guys stacked behind them and then two outside backers. So it's a three-five-three look. Any one of those five, any one of those five guys behind the three can come at any time, so they can bring eight-man pressure, seven-man pressure, and run a lot of stunts. I know they heard us a couple years ago with the egg stunt where the nose guard would go one way and both backers would cross one to the other side to the other. So you just got to pick out who the guy that's coming and play, you know, zone. It's really a zone concept as far as blocking, although the counter is good if you can block the backside and get tackled from the back. They present a lot of problems at the line of scrimmage with their uh, their run schemes. But, again, if they're going to come with more than five, then they're going to have to play man. And I don't know who they got. They got one corner that's really high draft guy. I don't know who they got that can cover us. Is that what Baylor did, Coach? When George faced Baylor, that 3-5? Yeah, Baylor did that. Also, uh Arkansas runs some of it too, but Arkansas is not as much of a man concept as the uh, city. This from EB1 Dog. How are the freshman defensive backs progressing? Namely, Singletary, Humphrey, Everett, Thomas, and Washington, which is a mouthful. Coach may have stalled out, so Roddy, if you want to take that I'm based still, on anything you've heard. I'm still in here. I'm still. He's still here. talking about the gotcha. freshman defensive backs. Yes, yes freshman we, we a lot of them. Well, you know, they practice a lot. Singletary uh, uh, is coming along. Humphreys, uh, the, the Washington kid who came in early. Uh, they're all getting a lot of reps on the scout team, do a lot of individual stuff uh, with uh, Kirby and, and Muschamp and uh, our, our secondary coaches. 
I think they're going to all be good. Everett just had a big head start. He and Malachi both were here in the spring, and you look at the the way that we were able to use Everett now. We also got Nylon Green coming off a hamstring. Uh, I think our secondary for the future looks really good. Uh, David Daniels is coming on. He's getting better. Um, uh, very good, very good uh, development by these guys. Go dogs thirteen seventy one. Uh, acknowledging your Oklahoma ties, wants to know what do the Oklahoma fo- uh, the Oklahoma folks think of Josh Heupel and the job he's done at Tennessee? Well, as we've mentioned before, that was a very bad parting of the ways uh, for Oklahoma. Uh, Josh was a won the national championship there. Uh, was work went right to work for Coach Stoops. Uh, ended up being offensive coordinator, and then. Uh, messy divorce here i mean they let let the guy go so i don't think there's a lot of uh thought about well will they bring hypo back or anything like that i just think he he's in a position now that i don't know that he'd want to go back after what happened but uh i'm sure they're proud of him i mean he, he he's done a lot of good things but uh th- that issue in itself makes it very difficult to link the two together because He's not real happy about what happened to him. And, uh, of course, took a lot of guts by Stoops. I mean, uh, his wife is uh, kin to the president. So uh, it was a it was a tough deal. From JSU Dog, how was that not a safety? <laughs> yes. You know, I, I think they just didn't have a, a good enough shot of it not to say it because otherwise it was uh, – you know, it, it looked to me like it was. And uh, it certainly – uh, turned out okay for us because we scored right. It had to be a safety, but you got to have conclusive evidence on the video, and they didn't have a shot that sh- showed that the guy was completely down, I guess, based on what I've talked to the people about. To me, if your big fat ass is laying down in the end zone and you're still up, you know, it's a safety. I don't care. I mean, it, I, I it, is, it is. It is to all of us. But I'm saying. Yeah, I know. I'm just, but I'm, to your point, was, they didn't have a. They didn't have a video. If they I'm basing that on the video that we saw, it just drove me crazy because I'm like, am I watching Bizarro World? Because it looks to me that we got the perfect angle of his side body just rolling through the end zone. You know, just like a like a, a grain silo coming down. You know, and I'm like. That's, uh, what, like, I'm with you, but it's just – I had the same question. I still have the same question. It's still over, though. You can't – I know. What about Jasper Saints? Yeah. I mean, good job. <laughs> the <laughs> only thing that I thought I'm was still, I would – See, I'm still questioning that too, Coach. Me too. I would – I would love if the sky cam could go over the top of the goal line because it tends to stop and look at the end zone facing the goal post. But, like, obviously this camera angle needed something vertically over the top of yeah. that line of scrimmage. Yeah, these these people are more worried about getting shots of the crowd and looking at the, the, God, the yeah. and all that. I, I can't believe they just love to watch the all these different people in the stadium. And so, uh, let's get to this from Jason G Dog seventeen or Jason G seventeen. What's the toughest position besides quarterback to transition from high school to college? You know, anything you say, you can you can say, but. But I think the easiest one to come in and play is probably receiver because you know you you, you just you can run all these different things. I, I think defensive backs very difficult to come in and play 
uh, running backs easier. Uh, probably O line just because of all the things you got to pick up. D line, you just you come in right out and going at defense. You can move over there and play. I'd say O line. Uh, let's see. This is middle 10 dogs says coach. How do you see things falling out come playoff time? He likes Georgia, Ohio state, TCU, and Oregon. Well, there's a lot of things. I think one league's going to have two. Uh, Ohio state and Michigan are either going to be in there or Georgia and, uh, Tennessee or Georgia and, uh, you know, if LSU beats Georgia, then it'll be Georgia and LSU. So uh, I think Oregon has got a chance, but they still got to play Washington this week. They got to play Utah, uh, two physical teams. Uh, they're not a real physical defense. Bo Nix has been interviewed by everybody in America, and, you know, he's playing good, but uh, I don't know. He's just doing talking for me. So. I can see Oregon losing again in the regular season or maybe in the championship game. Uh, I think the four best teams right now are Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and uh, probably Tennessee. I don't think TCU – I mean, TCU's undefeated, but every game it looks like they come back from the dead. And, they, you know, they got give up way too many points. So that's where we stand right now. This from Merrick Egan, and we have touched on this a little bit, but he says, Coach, I think a few weeks ago you made the passing comment that you are more worried about this game against Mississippi State than Tennessee. Is it because it's away from home, or is there something else? Yeah, I made that because more about their defensive scheme than anything, uh, uh, just because they give you a lot of problems. But I think our offense has really developed, particularly in the O-line. But the number one thing that I worry about is, is as good as we are on defense, it's hard to get off the field against these guys if they're functioning well. You can't pressure the quarterback, and uh, they throw the ball so well uh, underneath. They had some bad drops against uh, against Alabama, and in Alabama's corners, Kirby was telling me their corners played unbelievable and made a lot of good plays man-to-man against them. So uh, the thing that worries me about them is you only get so many possessions against them because they keep the ball away from you. And if all of a sudden we're not functioning that great on offense, you know, we could get behind the eight ball a little bit. So uh, it's one of those games that, you know, it's like you're getting ready to take a test on something and you know the stuff that you got to get right, but you get in there and maybe you don't get a couple right because you didn't answer them like you thought you should have. This is a tough test offense and defense because of what they do. And on the road, it's one thing, but uh, uh, right now I don't know that they're, that they're that tough a place to play because they're not, you know, uh, dominating people at home. But they'll, they'll be fired up playing the number one team. I guarantee you that, that's a big challenge. From 83 WR Dog, what is the cure for fumbleitis? Georgia's running backs have all gotten in on the action in recent weeks. Well, fumbles are going to happen. Interceptions are going to happen. They're, they're happening to different players. I mean, you look at the uh, – nobody's had more than one. So, uh, maybe Bennett has uh, when you look at that one where he handed the ball off against Missouri and then he had one for – but I think uh, just work on rocking the baby, putting your hands on the ball between your middle and your index finger and cradle the ball and rock the baby and don't run like this. And we've been working hard on when you're running and people trying to hit you from behind. So 
if you're in the crowd, always expect somebody to grab you from behind. That's why you want to go your arm like this, not like this because it's exposed. But if you're scraping like this, they can't get your elbow. Did you know that, Roddy? I did know that, actually. The reason I know that is because I've heard, uh, I think it was, wasn't Brian McClendon coaching quarterbacks there for a while? I mean, or running backs there for a while? Yeah, he coached them here, the baby. Yeah. I remember right, him screaming that at some of the people there. Roddy, do we need to take any more breaks? We have three more questions. We do. I need to ask, our, I need to mention our friends over at uh, Academia Brewing Company because I love the ad they have up right now. They got a Kirby Smart with a giant can of uh, Academia beer. Because I can tell you, uh, Matt Casey and the folks over at Academia Brewing Company are giant, giant Georgia fans. Matt was at the Georgia Florida game. He, uh, he was at this one. He's, he goes, he, I remember seeing him in uh, Indianapolis for the national championship game. Again, the guy's just a rabid Bulldog fan, and he has a fantastic place. He's got a brewing company that has a great restaurant in it. You know, they have – you see they have some new gear, you know, some new merchandise. You know, very clear. Love the concept over there. Love the space. You know, they have um, uh, bike night uh, pops up, you know, every week with the axe throwing and all the motorcycles that come in. Uh, they had a special this past uh, Sunday for their uh, last uh, – big uh, uh, car show. And if you saw that car show, uh, it was nuts. I mean, it was absolutely wall-to-wall classic cars. And, of course, they had these uh, fantastic ribs out there. So it's always neat stuff going on out there when you get a chance to check them out. Of course, they always have new beers popping up, like their Death Ripper and such. So uh, Thursday, first Thursday of every month, you know, the uh, bike nights, you know, always great stuff going on at Academia Brewing Company. Check them out when you get a chance. All right, get those last questions in, then. All right, let's uh, start with this one. Coach will be back in just a moment here. He took a, a bit of a break. I'll send this one to you, Roddy. Right. So after yeah. last year's SEC championship game and the national championship game, this question from Blump Dog, by the way. He says, I remember Kirby Smart saying that he had learned that he could not keep the team up and on point for an entire season. He said it's too long, the kids get tired, and are we seeing the fruits of the lessons learned this year? He says, is Kirby and the staff able to get players up and ready for the big games, Oregon, Florida, Tennessee, while letting them maybe coast a little bit in the others, like a Missouri? And he says, uh, Coach Don, and thanks for your continued support for UGASports.com. And he says your insights and game and the programming that you do are invaluable to this. So the question, is it possible that you can get your team up for certain games and then maybe relax on some others? Well, you know, that's something that age old thing that everybody talks about, how you get them up, what do you for the game, all that stuff. And realistically, you only got 12 games. You ought to be ready for everyone. Uh, I, I think the fact that we've, Practice like we do certainly helps. Uh, Missouri, uh, we were on worst enemy. We couldn't block the first level. Uh, they got a lot of penetration on us, and you know we had a couple early drops and poor field position. And uh, I, don't, I don't think our preparation was poor. I just think our execution was was not there. But the tendency is when you play a lesser team and they do that, you say the team's overlooking them and all. But I, I don't think uh, there's too much at risk here. I mean, you got a chance when nobody even thought you had a chance to be a repeat national champion. And now the, you know, the cards are in our hands here. I mean, it's on our, on our watch. We control our destiny. There's too much, uh, too much out there not to be ready and prepare. Uh, you got something that you got to do all week. You got your iPad, you need to these players, study your position uh, off the field. 
uh, know your assignments. Uh, if you're on special teams, uh, take care of business. Uh, it's a team game, and uh, it's up to the players a little bit too to not overlook people. Yeah. So uh, that, that was going to be my point, Coach. You go to this Tennessee game, and you had uh, Cedric Van Pran and Noble Smith address the team beforehand. You know, that gets the guys up. And, of course, that's easy for a, a, a Tennessee, but I guarantee you before Mississippi State, you're going to have somebody else step up and, you know, talk to the team. Plus, your guys, uh, I think they've switched out the whole let's get up for this team and then coast on the others. Kirby keeps talking about playing to that standard. And even when they have a blowout win, you know, the guys will point to mistakes they made. And I think he's substituting the idea of getting up for one team or coasting for another one based on did we hit our standard today? If we played our standard – We'll get it, you know. And if anybody yeah. wanted to kind of take a playoff, you look at the 15 guys that were drafted, and you know, uh, this is this, it might be a lesser team, but if I do well in this, I get paid. So maybe you turn to them and go, I know you guys aren't worried about losing this game, but you know, now's the time for you to show us what you can do. And you got so many guys fighting for spots. There's a lot of first year starters on this team, as Coach pointed out. A lot, of, a lot of people didn't give them credit for the opportunity, you know, the idea that they could go back to back. But I mean, even Broderick Jones, your left tackle, he started four games last year, but this is his year to make a statement, you know. Uh, Trust Willick, like you said, you know, Tate Radledge's first year back. All these guys, they have a, they have played a ton of games, you know. Warren McClendon wants to end on a high note. He wants to go out with a second. I mean, think about it. that guy would have two rings when Georgia hadn't had one in 40 years. I don't think he's going to look over overlook anybody. He won't even oh, – and when Tech comes to town or you play Tech, that's just some hate there. So I don't see them getting down for anything. But I do think Coach nails it with you have a lesser performance to get another team. Everybody in the media, we go, oh, well, they overlooked them. I don't, I don't see this team looking ahead on anybody. Leads to this question from I've been good. If Georgia plays its best game, is there a team out there that can beat them? Ooh. We kind of talked about that earlier, Coach. You know, we mentioned that even with this team or with this game, uh, this past game, you had Georgia shot themselves in the foot. You had turnovers. You had offensive drives that were uh, ended uh, because you had guys make penalties. You had a fourth down and you get a face mask call. I don't know. To me, if Georgia plays no, I- Georgia plays its best game, I don't see anybody stopping them. I mean, who 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 you got? Ohio State, Michigan, they're both really good. Uh, TCU, Tennessee, again, again, neutral field on all, you know, all these scenarios. But if Georgia plays its best game, that means Kenny McIntosh is running like he did at Florida when he was pissed off. You know, that means uh, your offensive line is dominating. That means you got touches to Darnell Washington and uh, Arian Smith going deep, and you're giving the ball to <clears throat> Stetson on a uh, let him keep one or two of those. Your defense, you got Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter, Coach Smith, I mean, Coach <laughs> Kirby Smart called him out yesterday saying he's, been, he's got to work. He knows he's got to work on his physical, you know, his being in shape. So even he, even though Jalen Carter played his best game to date or his most snaps to date, you know, is named uh, uh, defensive lineman of the week uh, in the SEC and then nationally, Kirby's like, he can still get better. You know, your secondary guys can get better. <clears throat> so many hold, defensive holding and penalties called. If Georgia plays its best game, I mean, <clears throat> what? If, I don't think anybody can beat them. But we haven't seen that best game yet. Yeah, Coach, Georgia's I, best game to someone beat them. One thing I would say about those speeches and all, I think uh, all of 
people like to hear that so-and-so talk to it, but anything that happens right for the game, I mean, that might last for maybe one minute. You, you got to do it all week. Uh, you know, everything all week's what builds it up into preparation. And we do a lot between Thursday and Saturday time working on their mental psyche with all the tests they have and the uh, walkthroughs and everything. But uh, emotion is one thing. It'll help you a little bit. But the, the biggest thing is just physical and mental preparation. The question about if Georgia's best game gets beaten by other team, it's already kind of a hypothetical in the sense that Georgia's best game is not possible this year because Nolan Smith is not a part of it. And so you kind of have to go to what Georgia turns into. I think the only team whose best comes close to Georgia's best may be Ohio State, but even then they need a full court wide receiver and they haven't had that most of this season. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of comparisons that could happen. Uh, Kentucky – it's going to give us a little different look because they're going to line up and hammer and tong right at us. Can we hold up against that? And, uh, you know, their, their line is just so bad protecting the quarterback, though, that they just can't throw the ball effectively That uh, to go with their running game. They did okay in the win over Mississippi State. But, uh, but, but the, I think the next two weeks just present different challenges. But uh, I like our chances in both. And final question from Ghost of Crowell. Is November too early to put up a Christmas tree? Because my wife does it every year. Yeah. Whatever his wife wants to do is what he should do. Put your foot down. Tell her that's not happening. Because we mean, are at a stage where Thanksgiving is being swallowed by Christmas, right? Thanksgiving is yeah. kind of being pushed to the side and Christmas comes early. Well, it's becoming like a two-day holiday event, you know. It's like Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know. It just kind of comes together and it's like, it's almost becomes a day of Christmas. But I noticed uh, flipping through uh, YouTube TV the other day, at least eight different Christmas uh, movies on. Is that of course right? I watched them all. Yeah. I mean, they don't even let you get to black Friday. Now they're giving you early deals on black Friday uh, and it's not even happened yet. So yeah, but Amazon was pushing them before Halloween. So here's the deal. Let's just keep watching the watch along show and, uh, do things like that, and then we'll uh, we'll have Thanksgiving the week of the Tech game, and then the next week we'll get ready for the SEC game, and then we'll figure out, hey, hopefully we'll be playing in Mercedes-Benz Stadium twice in a row, play the championship game, and then the first round of the playoffs will be there too. That'd be awesome. If we do that, we'll put up a Christmas tree in Coach's basement. Okay. <laughs> so I can ho ho that's why Santa Claus had a garden so he could ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I hope you'll have fun without me this weekend. I'll be in Starkville. So the watch along show is yeah, you two hanging out. On, we're counting on you doing a good job down there. And uh, I'm going to have it set where you can go to breakfast with Mike Leach and uh, talk to him about the game plan. Can I sit down? Will they have the chairs out? Or is that just something you don't, yeah, you don't you get to, to sit anymore? Up. You'll have to stand up. But, yeah. uh, you got to perform, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know how. How uh, Roddy always said, hey, shout out. I, I'm just saying shout out to uh, everybody that's involved with Georgia football right now. Every element, equipment managers, trainers, everybody. I mean, uh, th this is a first-class program that's that really is uh, a lot of fun to cover, and I just hope they can uh, reap the benefits of it. Uh, when you have such a big win like that, there's a lot of people that, are, that need to be uh, – acknowledged so uh i just feel like everybody should be 
enjoy what's going on and uh, keep positive. Keep positive. Don't listen to Roddy and worry. <laughs> well, I'm positive that the uh, you're right. I know a lot of people throughout the uh, UG Athletic Association, the program that support, you know, from Jer Moorhead all the way down to the, the nice lady that was, uh, uh, you know, the people that clean up the building. I was talking to one of them the other day. They're fantastic. But I also want to give a shout out and congratulations to the Georgia fans who turned Sanford Stadium into a crazy place. And I know a lot of those fans were tempted to sell their tickets. They were ridiculous uh, amounts of money to be made on the secondary ticket market. The Georgia fans kept their tickets. They showed up in force and there was no, there's just a vague hint of orange over in the corner. A lot of people talking about how uh, Tennessee was going to come into uh, Sanford stadium, take the stadium over. I mean, you couldn't swing a dead cat and hit a Tennessee fan. They were spaced out and they were quiet. And uh, take the stadium over with three three thousand seats. How can they do that? They, they, hey, now, they were like, we're going to buy up all. Everybody's selling their tickets just like Notre Dame did. Yeah, they had they had grandiose plans, coach, and that came to nothing. So I was uh, told that downtown. I, if you believe that bullshit, man. <laughs> I, I was told that downtown Athens had a ton of Tennessee fans that obviously made the trip to Athens and then watched that on TV downtown and then I guess just drank their sorrows away. Thanks for your money, folks. Okay. <laughs> Our downtown guys appreciate that because they hadn't had enough home games. So anyway, speaking of uh, thanks for your money, I want to give a shout out to our podcast sponsors, Athens Ford, Gearpie, Academia Brewing Company, Dead Soxie, Prime Shrimp, and My Perfect Franchise. We mentioned all them in the show. Please take care of our sponsors and please join us next Tuesday at noon when we were talking about the Georgia Mississippi State game and previewing Georgia Kentucky uh, for Dane Young and Chen Don. And I'm Rodney Bulsey. We will see you next week. Take care. <laughs>